0: Welcome to Talking Health Tech, my name is Peter Birch and this is a podcast of conversations with doctors, developers and decision makers that are playing in the Australian health tech scene today. With me today is Dr Ben Hurst, he's the CEO and founder of HotDoc, Australia's most trusted patient engagement platform using cloud-based technology to improve patient and doctor communication. Ben started as a Geelong intern, then a Warrnambool emergency resident, then a Port Phillip prison psychiatrist. And then a New York novelist before he settled down in the very calm world of being an entrepreneur in the health tech space. So, Ben, thanks so much for coming in.
1: Thanks for the introduction. I'm not so sure how calm being an entrepreneur is, but I'll, I'll it's take the, it. it.
0: It's the least calm of things that you could be ever doing. I but, agree. Um, you're from Melbourne. No Melbourne weather joke. Moving on. <laughs> 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 But that yeah, might yeah, be coming. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I've done like eight of them. That's <laughs> enough of them. Um, but I think by doing that, I've now made another one. So that's number that's nine. nine. Nice. Yeah, sick. Um, hey, thanks for coming in. Pleasure. Cool. To be here. cool. I, I, I'm excited to have this chat because because um, a lot of people know 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 what Hot Doc is, um, and 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 g- not just people who work in the 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 medical software space, but also patients too.
1: That is true. We have now three million patient users who have registered. So, if you uh, meet one in eight people on the street, they yeah. might know Hotdoc and maybe even have it on their phone.
0: Wow, that's insane! Mm. Um, look look for, for those for those the, the two in three people who who, who don't. I guess um, uh, what? How do you describe the business? What is it? What what, what does Hotdoc do?
1: So when we founded it. Uh, seven years ago, we were exclusively an online bookings company. And while that is a great solution and helps patients access uh, doctors more easily, we found that it was quite a commoditizable service and we kind of needed to build it out um, for it to be something that the medical centers went from, oh, that's like an itty bitty solution kind Mm. of value to, hey, this is a business critical platform. So what we have today is more of a patient engagement platform. Um, And that's mapped according to the whole patient journey, not just when they make a booking, but it might be when the practice recalls them for a follow-up preventative health appointment, it might be when they make a booking, it might be getting reminded for it, it might be checking into the waiting room, it might be engaging with content during that process, and it might be providing feedback to the medical service. Um, So that's kind of how we've evolved our, our whole solution.
0: I could have my dates wrong, but if I think back to when I first knew of Hotdoc being the appointment booking platform, maybe maybe five or six years ago, maybe maybe more, um, there was it, it. It started to pick up pretty pretty quick. I mean, there was you guys, and there was there was other um, competitors as well. So in that in that space of online appointment bookings, it, it really started to grow, and it became, um, from my experience anyway, for a GP practice, um, it felt like. At some point, a GP practice almost uh, it went from being a nice thing to have having online bookings to it's just something that you do need to have. Mm. Um, So, and to me, I thought that was a really kind of good demonstration of how technology can you know evolve with needs for for clinicians, or or, you know, can be adopted by by clinicians. But there's so much other tech that that hasn't been adopted within health, and there's 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 you know vendors that come out with all different types of 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 offerings that. uh, are
1: either being
0: slowly adopted or, or just not adopted. So, so why is it that, that online appointments resonated so much with GPs and patients, do you think?
1: I think it's all to do with trust. Um, the, the challenge of this industry is cracking it. If you can crack it, you can have a customer for life. But if, let's say, you're a startup, you have barely any customers and you're knocking on doctor's doors and you're saying, hey, use us, we can help you provide let's just say, results to to patients. Um, Suddenly, they're going to be asking questions like, how can I trust you to help me securely communicate a very critical piece of information to the patient in a timely way? And how do I know that software is going to work? And what you're probably going to find is your business isn't going to go too well. What we did was we explored... Solutions where we didn't need to establish that degree of trust off the bat. Online bookings is basically asking the practice for the trust of synchronising their appointment book and showing them online, which is definitely asking something, but it's not asking for them to uh, to kind of give us access to more sensitive information. Mm-hmm. And and so I think what we found is we needed to really understand the early adoption um, cycle with with the customer base and it made a lot of sense to focus on the front office efficiency piece mm-hmm. um, before, you know, being able to, to do things which also help doctors and patients communicate. Mm.
0: So with a – I mean, there's like – I think there was – at least five or six competitors I could think of at one stage for you guys, probably many more um, that did online bookings. And there was, you know, uh, practice management systems that do their own online bookings and ever, everyone was, was doing an online booking kind of thing. And even on a website, you can create yourself, you can do an online thing. So how is it though? That it, it, yes, you can kind of um, build people's trust, but how, how is it that you guys broke through and, and demonstrated that and, and um, kind of made that happen and, and become what I what I think is now the market leader in that space
1: uh two answers to that the first thing we did was we were very careful about segmenting the market um, we realized that we were a little bit later to the game than others um, we were very strong in the technology piece but not so strong in the marketing piece mm. and we also made it was it was also pretty clear to us that if we built some kind of what if like directory off the bat, then we were going to struggle to maintain philosophical alignment with the practices. Practices aren't interested in going up against local medical centers and vying for new patients, but they are interested in providing a great, easy, accessible service to their patients mm. and building loyalty and getting more repeat visits. Um, so I think. The fact that we, just, we we put a stake in the ground and we said, this is what we're about. Um, we're very focused on continuity of care. And yes, we can help medical centers gain new patients, but more through an educational piece. This is how to harness um, digital marketing the best way. This is how you can do SEO, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. Um, and so I think, I think we were successful there because um, I think by being aligned to our customers, We've been able to just do the right thing all the time. Our customers, we don't get a clip for new patients, so we don't have any incentive to kind of take a patient here and put it over there. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that was that was number one. We kind of we we said that's who we are, and then the then there's the the piece around. We we sized up the market and we realized pretty quickly that there were sort of enterprise clinics or enterprise. Um, businesses mm. then there were more the grassroots family medical centers and we saw that we had a really good product market fit for the higher end of town um you know the Fullertons, the, the Helioses of the world mm-hmm. um and that was because our practice centric approach where we were much more a piece of technology to assist them rather than a new destination for patients to go to mm. where we didn't worry about building our brand at the expense of them um, we saw that we really had a, a, a good product market fit, and also because we'd invested in the customizability and the sort of the um, the ability for practices to to make sure that patients would book with the right doctor for the right amount of time, um, it was really kind of aligned with their their workflows. Um, it was a really good way to 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 get that top end of town, and then start to focus on some of the grassroots clinics. By differentiating our services through things like smart recalls and reminders mm. and check-in, et cetera.
0: I've heard a lot of people say some good things about the smart recall thing. By the way, as an aside, that's, that's just nice. me complimenting you. I'm, <laughs> I'm happy to hear that. Yeah, it's <laughs> so it was was speaking about Hot Dog now. Yeah. It's all about like the recalls bit rather than the I don't know.
1: I'm not surprised. It's sort of what we were known for. And we, like, another answer to your previous question is online bookings. We found it really like. We knew in our heart of hearts that we'd built a superior piece of technology to our competitors, but it was a really hard message to communicate to practice managers, words like customization and robust seamless integrations. Those are not sort of buzzwords that capture the minds of of our customer base. Um, But when we could say, hey, you know those really annoying recalls, Imagine they just go away, and we can automate them. We can digitise them. We can leave a perfect audit trail, mm. and it's much more secure than before. Mm. How does that sound? Practice manager saying that sounds pretty good.
0: So, so then, if I if I then use that to then look more broadly at the health kind of space, where you know, uh, how do we replicate good? an example of good technology or a good role, example of a good rollout of technology in healthcare to, to other areas. Like, I mean, the, the, we've talked for so long about fax machines or like how shit secure messaging is and, and, and all that kind of stuff, but it's still there. Um, and it's probably going to be there for a while. It, like, mm. depends on who you are. So, um, how do we, how do we, um, make change in healthcare to see some progress at some greater pace?
1: I guess I can only answer that question around what we did that happened to be successful. And I think what that was is trying to, dis- trying to solve discrete problems. Mm. Um, we're quite interested in the secure messaging space, not because we want to help GPs and specialists communicate securely between one another with everything that they need to do but maybe we are interested in helping GPs book online. Mm. Um, and so that's like that's a small piece that we're trying to solve for. We're not trying to like get rid of the fax machine in one foul blow, mm. but we're looking at here's, here's an opportunity where there's a pain point that we've mapped out. We know that sometimes GPs have to call around. They might spend 20, 30 minutes on the phone trying to find the right specialist who has the right subspecialty, who's going to be available to see a patient within say the next two weeks and that can be a really painstaking job what if we made that little bit easier and so we're just like peeling the layers one at a time Hmm. and i think that's one thing to do it's just like you don't have to solve for everything solve for one small but important thing and then just kind of keep keep going from there not boiling the ocean that's That's exactly it it. yeah Yeah, yeah, boiling the ocean is really tough
0: yeah yeah so um so just moving on from that, then, so you guys did a decent cap raise um, at the end of last year, and, and you've and you've stood out um, uh, as as th- through um, you know in the last say six to twelve months as the uh, shining star in the space that you're in. Um, uh, what what is it that that investors have, have really liked about um, Hotdoc and and what you do? Is it is it the um is it that that patient trust piece and the the trust and the the trust that you're building with your your customers um is it the the super clever tech what is it that that investors really like about you guys
1: i think it's different for our first big raise which is our series a and the one that you mentioned which is our series b the first the first raise um with airtree i think daniel just thought that tom and i were really smart and we managed to land one of the biggest fish in IPN and we had this early amount of traction and he just he kind of sized the two of us up and just saw saw this potential mm-hmm. um, but mostly he was he was backing um, backing the team mm-hmm. um, whereas I think with the series B it was more around um, the fact that we'd consistently done more with less we had um, we we'd been more effective relative to our peers in the space pound for pound um and i think that's a really important thing for investors in getting returns they want to see that you know it's one thing to put 50 million dollars into a company and they're you know five years later making let's say 10 million dollars it's another when they've invested less than the amount of money that 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 company is making a year Mm. so i think i think that was really important i like this is me probably just it might be wishful thinking, but I know that our investors are really nice people, and they're they're also philanthropic in their own right. I think they also invested in us because they saw alignment of values. They saw that we weren't just out to build this, you know, big company, have this hugely successful exit, buy McMansions with boats moored mm-hmm. um, outside. Mm-hmm. We were we were here to make an impact, and we had a company promise. And we had very, um, very well laid out values, and I think um, perhaps. Daniel and Arian and and um, I think they saw a bit of themselves in those values as well. Mm-hmm.
0: Do those values come from you as a being a clinical being a doctor as well, or is that?
1: Yeah, um, it's. I mean, I didn't invent them. the The values that, that we that we have um, and, and our company promise is very much based on the Hippocratic Oath. Great. Um, and so it's kind of like it, it became pretty clear especially when I saw some of the stuff that can happen in this space um, especially when I was obsessed by the Theranos story um, that if ambitious, charismatic and uh, let's just say let's just say entrepreneurs that have a flexible moral compass if they don't have, Values. If those values aren't inscribed somewhere, then some pretty bad shit can happen. Mm. Um, and I think any doctor who does have a strong moral compass, when they do stand up, when they do pledge allegiance to the modern version of the Hippocratic Oath, it is like deeply meaningful. Right. Um, and it's something that you, you you think about every time you see a patient. So so that was really important for me to to sort of I guess maybe help the company who like I'm the only doctor in the company but help help the employees who don't have healthcare backgrounds understand a little bit about why these sorts of values are important why we picked the ones that we did um and and also just like you know take a step back and realize that we're in a space which can really impact people on a deeply personal level mm. and we need to we need to be really accountable to that um so yeah it's probably I'd say like again back to your question for like why have we had some of the success we have like i think the values piece has also been a big thing yeah
0: and so and so just on those um uh, the the clinical outcomes and the 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 dealing with people and and stuff i mean you've 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 like you said you've got a big chunk of the gp market now so there's that you'd probably have some some pretty good insights um from from maybe how doctors operate or, or patient preferences is there anything that you can share that you've learned maybe things that that you expected or not expected based on um you know wh- what you've been able to um to do with hot dog. in terms of um interesting insights you might have gleaned from,
1: from all that there's a, there's a bunch um i'm trying to think of some of the the weird ones that are unexpected. I like the weird uh, ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so there's a huge gender divide um, with how people see the doctor. Um, while um, we have not an equal but a not completely unequal number of males and females that, that sign up and, and register the service, yeah. um, over 80% of the actual appointments are made by women, right. um, which is pretty crazy. Yeah. Um, we have people who are aged over 100 who use Hot dog. Really? Which... Um, pretty wait can about. they can they
0: lie about that and uh, like can it be false or,
1: or, or is- so they can but one of the one of the important ways that we match a patient with the patient in the database yeah. is through their date of birth yeah. so if they've lied they've lied twice twice yeah, yeah. Of course.
0: so it's pretty it have to be pretty legit yeah, yeah. i'm
1: i'm like i'm there's got to be some legit Good 100 on, huh? year olds on yeah, our yeah, side yeah, yeah. um so that that that's pretty cool um it's a there's this really interesting uh pattern when you look at the, the analytics of our traffic of our appointment traffic, um Monday mornings it like it spikes. Mm. And then Tuesday it's a little bit less, then Wednesday there's quite a drop. Thursday and Friday flatten out a bit, Saturday goes right down, and then Sunday comes back up, and then Monday is back on top again. Yeah. And it is like if you look week after week after week, this this like this shape. It just it repeats, and the only time it's different is if there's a public holiday, mm. which in Melbourne it happens to be a lot of the time. But <laughs> for at least we just you know, had a lot of them, didn't yeah, we? Yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. So about forty for forty weeks of the year, it's yeah. it's it's quite interesting yeah. um, how that looks. Yeah. Um, and a lot of our appointments made after hours, and I think that that kind of it's it's over fifty five percent, which wow. it shows that it's a valuable service. Yeah. It's valuable for. The mum who might otherwise take her three-year-old toddler to the emergency department mm. for an interior infection, where you know if she was able to just book eight thirty a.m. the next day, that would be the desired outcome. So, and and it shows that we are taking quite a big load off the off the front desk. Mm. Um, so yeah, those are some of the wacky ones that come to mind.
0: Yeah right. So it's my job at home to book the appointments because I think because my wife can't like use a phone properly.
1: Really. She
0: only listens to these podcasts sometimes, so I wonder if she listens as far as she tell me about it later. Well, we get we could always bleep yeah, yeah. it out. <laughs> <laughs> um, hey, so so uh, with with HotDoc, it's it uses so it connects with the practice management system at the um, at the clinic, at the GP clinic. Mm-hmm. Um and, and, it, and it uses some pretty clever technology as from what I can tell from the outside in terms of, you know, being able to connect and doing things via the Internet and all via the cloud, I guess. But practice management systems aren't cloud based. So, um, you know, just thinking from a, from a tech perspective, um, I, I was when I first kind of learned about how you guys operate um, and it's uh, you know, in terms of because I, I I assumed that you know because with practice management systems not many of them are cloud-based although there's you know the, the, the typical guys the medical directors the best practices the everyone actually is coming out with their own cloud versions and there's there's other guys that have been um, well established for a while although it's a, it's a tough slog because in healthcare to try and get people to change their practice management system it's a um, it's a big deal mm. so so um, the but you've kind of got that workaround of being able to install something locally to be able to connect. Hot dogs. So uh, that that, there's two ways to look at it. It's kind of that's either an interim solution until all the practice management systems magically all come onto the cloud, or it's like a like a much longer term solution because it's just it's it's taking the 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 perspective that practice management just uh, or or clinics aren't going to change. That it's going to be like we're just going to be using these. Legacy systems for so long because it's comfortable and easy to do, or, mm. or, or, or it could be suiting a need, or however you want to yep. take. So, so how important then is the cloud? Because a couple of years ago it was like the most important thing ever that we need to do in healthcare to be able to transfer, you know, transform healthcare because because interoperability, because you know silos, because of other kind of buzzword. Um, but but if we can do this, then are we are we circumventing the need to be all cloud based, or is it um, just a temporary kind of solution?
1: Yeah, it's a really good question. I think like with all new technologies, you have that and it's a classic curve. You've got the hype phase and then it kind of dips into the trough of sorrow and then it starts sort of peaking again. And I think we're just coming out of the trough of sorrow. Um, I think it's really challenging for cloud-based practice management systems to get early traction and lots of runs on the board fast. Um, There's just this sunk cost fallacy where Mm. medical centers have these old servers in their cupboard they spent 30 to 40k for and it's like they paid that money and if they suddenly went to a cloud management system it means that that $30,000 was basically a waste Mm. Uh, and that's a really it's an annoyingly difficult thing um, to to navigate Um, and I guess like what Hot Docs managed to do and this wasn't like any sort of brainwave it was just a Mm. fluke but we, because we are site installed, but we have a cloud. Um, we have a cloud um, architecture. We can reduce the friction of having to move your whole system from the site to the cloud. It's just it's a simple install, mm. um, and I think that what I like. I think that if you look at the accounting industries and what happened with MyOB and Zero. It's a ten-year process, so I would say seven to ten years from now, about seventy to eighty percent of medical centers in Australia would be using some sort of cloud-based system. Mm. Um, it's our plan to talk to those, just as we talk to the site-installed systems. Um, but it's an e- it'll be exciting when that happens because it'll it will it will pave the way for some really cool. Third party solutions that can add to the uh, to the clinical experience,
0: mm. and it's the I think that that time's probably needed as well, just to, to give those, the, especially the new guys, the new practice management systems that are solely cloud. You know, the the, the time to work with the practices to because there's all the little nuances and the niches that the the more established um, server guys like the the BPs, the MDs have been around for 25 something years that they've 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 developed that. So I think time, it's it's a matter of time. Um, i agree it's just uh i agree for sure it's just let's just get on with it <laughs> uh, <laughs> but look thinking uh, emerging trends in healthcare today um you know ai blockchain 3d printing drones um that kind of stuff what about in your opinion um are these going to transform health or, or become more pervasive in some way or are they just more trendy flavors of the month
1: um they're definitely hyped up but I'd say AI is pretty cool. Um, I think there's some really good technologies emerging from that. A little company called MetaOptima <laughs> might be playing in that Finally, space. Someone's given us. That. <laughs> <laughs> um, but like, I think I think AI is really cool, and I think I think it really suits um, the Australian model, where we have a a really good um, primary care coverage for this country, but in some cases, it's really hard to get specialist access. And so, if you have a piece of software that is able to crunch a huge amount of data and um, have a higher um, diagnostic um, uh, determination than than even a specialist would, that's that's a huge value add. That's I mean, and it's a huge value add for someone who who who's having a, a lot of difficulty getting in to see a dermatologist, for example. Mm. Um, so I think I think AI is really cool. I think another cool thing about AI is that um, it, it has the opportunity to help doctors get more patient face time. Um, it's, it's a big problem in medicine that doctors are burning out because they're throwing objects at their computers because their EHRs are cumbersome and the servers are slow. Mm. And if there's a way that, AI can help them tabulate uh, some of the clinical interaction during the consultation and suddenly the doctor turns and faces the patient and listens and asks more questions and has maybe 30% more time just with the patient. I think you're going to see some really significant um, outcomes Mm. from that. Mm. Um, I like my little... I'm not like drones are kind of cool in places like Rwanda. They do like, you know, really hilly country where it's potentially hard to move pathology or even pharmaceuticals around. Um, I, you know, I think maybe when, you know, Amazon starts providing books to our doorstep via drones, like pharmaceuticals won't be too far beyond that. Not that excited personally. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm pretty excited about thing that doesn't get a lot of Airplane Australia, which is digital therapeutics. Um, my feeling is that we've gone through this kind of weird white pill, um, uh, let's just say, the white pill epoch of healthcare, mm-hmm. where instead of a doctor saying you should exercise more, they say, eat this white pill cho- that, that lowers your cholesterol instead. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think part of that is because there's this weird funding mechanism behind how patients see doctors. It's all about bums on seats, it's about being there. But it's really hard for doctors to enable any actual you know, new habit formation in that small amount of time they spend with a patient if they're not coming back at least once a week. And that just—that's for most patients with chronic disease, not that doable. Mm. Um, and what digital therapeutics can do is it can—it can start. Helping patients understand that, in fact, the cause of their obesity, their hyperlipidemia, their prediabetes risk is, in fact, very much lifestyle-based. And they can start to unpack, well, you know, why is it that this patient is not, you know, doing the right healthy things that they should be doing? And, um, and it's a way to sort of start to um, get inside those habits and, and potentially have them complemented by a health coach. Um, there's this really cool company in the U.S. called Amada. Um, they've done a bunch of studies now, um, and they've—I forget—I forget the study that it's exactly based on, but it, it showed that one-on-one health coaching was one of the most impactful um, ways to improve um, pre-diabetic outcomes. And they basically tried to automate that, so they developed this sort of—I think it's—it's it's a four chapter. Um, therapeutic process where patients learn healthy eating habits um they learn how to you know start exercising more um they get uh, digital scales um and they also get a health coach and that's shown to be more effective than pretty much anything um
0: is a health coach like an allied like, provider or is it a doctor or what, what's the
1: yeah there's no like i i mean i don't think Let's say in Australia, I don't think there's some special accreditation body. There's no like college of health coaching. Yeah. But effectively it's someone who probably has a strong background in psychology, so can understand uh habit formation and um and what are, you know, some specific triggers for maladaptive habits. Mm. Um and you know, it's it's kind of like a, I guess a, you know, like you could get a coach to go to the gym. Mm. Um mm you get a coach to help you just navigate a, a healthier way to, to live. Yeah. Um, uh, my So, you know, I think that in 10 years' time, we're not going to have so many pathologists. We're not going to have so many radiologists. I think we're going to have a lot more health coaches.
0: Hmm. And when you say just back to digital therapeutics, what what, what, what does that look like? Like What, what actually is, is that? Um...
1: It's basically a way to improve outcomes through digital technology. So right. I kind of like, I see it, you know, instead of the white pill that, you know, you, you swallow and then you get some sort of physiological benefit from that. Mm. Um, a digital therapeutic is something which you engage with mentally and it helps you either develop better habits, um, better habits, you know, behavioral habits like exercising Or better thinking habits Um, there's some really cool e-health modules which have been shown to be very effective um, especially for anxiety um, which has been known to be you know quite refractory Mm -hmm. um, to non-addictive substances Um, so there's yeah it's got it's got a lot of benefit for any um, health uh, or behavioral health related conditions and mental health conditions. Yeah, right. Okay, interesting.
0: Um, so so lastly, Ben, when we talk about improving the healthcare of all Australians and, and the role that technology plays in that, um, I guess in addition to or separate to what, what we've just talked about, like what, what do you see as important like now and how is, how is it going to be successful in, in, in bringing together a, a more healthy Australia using technology?
1: That's a big one um (laughs) just just quickly (laughs) yeah 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 just like in in 20 seconds or less um tweet it yeah i think okay let me let me let me digest it for one second yeah yeah yeah. um i think that i'm gonna just say trust Mm. um i think i think you know post the cambridge Analytica scandal it's really made it difficult for certain technology players especially in more sensitive areas like healthcare um, to gain traction i think patients and consumers are justifiably concerned um, around questions about what happens with their data Um, so i think i think what that means is uh, companies in this space they they need to have values they need to have really easily digestible privacy policy statements um, and they need to really build trust gradually with both patients and their, you know, customer base that might be medical centers, mm. um, I think that, uh, like, I'll answer this for Hotdoc. So, we think that there are two really important determinants of patient outcomes. Um, one is good communication, and the other is um, having strong relationships with your practitioners. Mm. So if if we can sort of emphasise the importance of that relationship, if we can if we can provide more face time because we're sort of automating some of the manual stuff away, mm-hmm. then that's probably going to have a good patient outcome. Mm-hmm. Um, if we can help a doctor communicate with a patient when they're outside the medical centre um, because there's still a patient there, mm-hmm. then that they're probably going to have a good outcome. So I think I think sometimes focusing on you know focusing on one or two things um again is is a good way to to make things successful um but it's it's a big can of worms that question it's a a tough one
0: yeah yeah cool no but it's a a good way to round it out i think thanks so much for coming in ben and um enjoy your melbourne weather
1: (laughs) thanks a lot peter (laughs) appreciate (laughs) it
0: Thanks for listening to Talking Health Tech. My name is Peter Birch. Go do some stuff on our socials and website, share it with some people and give us a nice review and a five-star rating because it all helps to spread the word and get people talking. Until next time, I'm out of here.